This episode of the podcast was recorded over a Zoom call uh, at a time when physical distancing is important to us. Uh, so you will find that depending on the quality of the internet connection, uh, it can get choppy at times. Uh, but for the most part, you will be able to hear the conversation clearly. Hello everyone, uh, it's another episode of the Hello Mental Podcast. We have Edmund Tan here with us today. Uh, Edmund Tan and his wife, Xiu Li, uh, they are founders of Inside Scoop, a local artisanal ice cream brand. Uh, Edmund and Xiu Li were both working in the corporate world uh, where Edmund was an investment banker uh, and Xiu Li was an actuary. They noticed a gap in the market and decided to turn their passion for food into a business idea in 2013. Uh, which is now known as Inside Scoop. So Inside Scoop is a well-known uh, ice cream brand uh, where their ice creams incorporate distinctly Malaysian flavors such as chempada, durian, and uh, tetare, for example. So uh, I'm looking forward to this chat. So let's start. Okay. Hey. Hey, Edmund. Hey, thanks for taking the time to do this. No problem. Anytime. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, uh, how's how's things been for you and like Inside Scoop in like 2020? You know, because like COVID obviously affected F&B quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, as as you will know, it's been quite a tough year for everyone, uh, including, I mean, F&B. It has been a very tough sector, la. But on our from our standpoint, as I was mentioning to you casually at the start, it's just to be fairly flexible. Uh, in everything that we do and make sure that we continue to be here when COVID is over. Uh, that's the most important thing, right? And in order for us to be here, uh, there will be challenges that will come and go. It's just being flexible and putting in place good solutions. Uh, one of the things that has changed our business in our business quite materially is that our mix of sales has changed quite significantly from just purely in-house. It has now changed to a large portion of deliveries. And with that comes its own challenges like because with deliveries, uh, consumers pay a bit more, but not so much more when it offsets your delivery costs or whatever the food delivery platform charges us. Uh. So that is by far the, the, the most problematic issues that we've been facing, uh, especially in locations where we pay fairly high rental rates because traditionally, like locations like shopping malls, they give us a lot more traffic and we obviously pay a lot more rental in those locations. That mm. has turned around fairly quickly because those locations are not set up for deliveries. Uh, it's largely just on natural walk-in traffic rather than uh, deliveries. Uh, so we just have to be very platform and try and reinterpret the model as well. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a tricky time, I actually come to think of it. Because I remember there's a phase where like you're allowed to open, obviously, but then people are not really coming out anyway, right? So yes. so so you're still sort of paying rent, but it, like no one's actually visiting the store. So so you have to shift a lot to delivery. That's quite interesting. Uh. So the places with higher rent, you had issues delivering from those locations. That's, uh. that's, that's, a, that's yeah. a right, right. And then uh, because you will open... More still, I mean, obviously they are business entity and they have to continue going on. Some have been supportive, some are in a difficult position as well. So you are paying a lot of rental for, for very little dollar revenue uh, in those locations. Mm-hmm. So I want to sort of rewind a bit to the beginning. Uh, cause I, so as far as I, I understand that like you actually came from like a banking background. 
Mm-hmm. So not a culinary background, if you like. Yeah. So how how did this whole idea for Inside Scoop even start in the first place? Uh, we always knew that we were going to do something on our own. Like I always knew that I wanted to do uh, a business of, of my own at some point in time. So I've worked in corporate finance or banking for about 10 years. And about, I think on my eighth or ninth year, I was already itching to get out and try something on my own. Uh, and yeah, that's how that's how we came along with the idea to do something in F&B where the barrier of entry is lower. Uh, but also something that we can scale at some point in time. So we identified uh, ice cream or F&B as one of the sectors that we want to enter into to try our hand at uh, being, a, being a small business owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that juncture, we, I, I, I managed to convince uh, my then ex-girlfriend, who is now my wife, uh, <laughs> to, to come back uh, to Malaysia because we were both living in Singapore at that point in time. Thank uh, you. To, to come back and run the business while I was still working in Singapore. Then uh, things, we, we were very blessed. We were very, very lucky that we got the concept right and got the support of a lot of Malaysians. So uh, from there on, we started expanding the business organically. And then once the business had a bit of critical mass, we decided that, okay, I should commit a bit more time to this if I want to see if, uh, if, if we truly, if we well and truly believe in this business that, Mm, mm, mm. It's so interesting that uh, you mentioned that the uh, barrier of entry is fairly low in F&B because uh, I, I always had this because I'm not from F&B background. So I always had this impression that it was quite high in the sense for two reasons. Uh, number one, like the upfront cost is normally quite expensive if you're setting up a store, etc. Right. Mm. And and also the um, it's very uh, saturated, right? Like the market is full of competitors. So I always had this impression. It's very hard to actually get into F&B. Uh, but but so so yeah. Tell me like when you say the barrier entry is low, maybe like I'm not looking at it in the right way, la. So when I say barrier, the, the reason why there's so many competitors out there is because the barrier to entry is low, mm. <laughs> By definition, right? Right, right, right. So it's it's a matter of you seeing whether you want to invest in the sort of capex to go and start your first shop or not. I think right. that uh, that's the barrier of entry that you have to get past, la. Right, right. Uh, did you did you start with the shop or did you start in a different way? We started way? in a shop. So we started in our Bangsa store in December 2013. Hmm. Uh, yeah, we started in a Bangsa store in December 2013. Okay, okay. And and, and then you said that, you know, you you were lucky, like you got the concept right from the beginning, right? So it's from, from your, um, in your opinion, from your perspective, what exactly was this concept that you think really worked out then? I think, I think we managed to solve in, in the, the, the thing that I always tell people is that when you want to do business, you have to uh, try and solve people's problems. So we solved the problem of, so we solved our, I think that we solved the problem at that point in time of having of the artisanal ice creams or the, the, the more premium ice cream category being largely served by uh, the foreign companies. Uh, so at this at a juncture, we believe that a local product could compete uh, could compete or if not be better than than, than the imported uh, products. Uh. So that's that's how we decided to, to do our own business. Uh. Right, right, right. So so it's like, um, so you obviously position yourself as a luxury, a premium ice cream brand, but locally... Uh, like everyday, yeah, luxury, la. La, everyday luxury. <laughs> everyday luxury, la, affordable luxury. Yeah, everyday affordable luxury. Right, right, right. Uh, so... So how, how did you even sort of like learn how to make ice cream without like a culinary background? 
so we before before we started inside scope we had access to an ice cream machine uh, my part, my business partner Derek, he his his his, his owns an ice cream shop in Singapore. So we had a chance to play around with it, and then before we started, Shuli also went to uh, to Italy to learn how to make gelato la. So we applied mm. the techniques of what we learned ourselves, and also uh, Shuli's technical knowledge when she went to Italy and just combined the two and, and make our own ice cream. Right, 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 right. Uh, Shuli is your wife la, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, just for those like listening who don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, so you had an ice cream machine, and you went to learn how to make gelato at the same time. You came back and you experimented, la. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So, so like um, and 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 in terms of like starting out, because I think one of the main things about whether an ice cream business works or not is whether your ice cream tastes good or not, la, I suppose. Yeah. Right. That's like time. So, yeah. So, what was your um? How did you pick those sort of like initial flavors to launch? You know, what was the process behind it? And and also just building on that, because I understand that you actually update your flavors every two months, something like that, right? Mm. So so like where do you get inspiration for these flavors and you know how what what how did this go through this approval process? Are you the last person that eats the ice cream and says, I love this on, you know, yes, no? Is that how it works? <laughs> I, I think I'm the first, the last, and the ongoing guy. Or oh, not I, la. the team, the, the, the entire team that we have, we are the first, the last, and the ongoing people that continue to enjoy our ice cream. Uh, updating the flavor is important because uh, over time, people's preference and taste change and evolve, and the evolution happens quicker than you would expect. So we con- continuously have to update our flavors, make it relevant, make it fresh. Uh, but more importantly, it's also about quality control. Like if you stop eating your ice cream, I think you, you, you fail to, uh, to, to do quality control on an ongoing basis. So that's fairly important. In terms right. of inspiration, it is largely about what flavors people like uh, mm. and what are the other dessert alternatives out there that we can translate into ice cream. So mm. like our kopi peng, our teh tarik is obviously a interpretation slash transfer of your traditional everyday drink into an ice cream. Mm. Then durian, champada, those are fairly straightforward, like taking the fresh fruit and then making it into a durian ice cream. Then the more interesting ones are like some of the things that we're doing now, which is like your banofi pie, your uh, tart, uh, pineapple tarts. How do we translate some of the flavors that you get from traditional sweets into ice cream and, and, and enjoy it in the form of an ice cream. Mm, 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 mm. And, and, and do you, um, so it sounds like, uh, do you sort of um, deliberately try to look up for very localized flavors, like a local fruit or something? Or you just like, you know, is it's, it random? Anything uh, anything or everything that we enjoy eating or drinking, uh, I think that's the most, that's the so, most important. So thing. fairly random, uh, like you can eat something and say, hey, maybe we can make this ice cream. Yes. Oh Actually, really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, that's, that's interesting. And and one thing I'm very curious about because um, it sounds like it is a very creative process coming out of new flavors, right? And it needs a creative personality. But you you do you you came from like a corporate finance background, which is I sort of think it's um more of a very analytical kind of work, right? An analytical kind of personality. Uh, not to say there's no overlap, but I think the nature of the work is so different. So, do you think? You've always had this creative side, or did you sort of develop it while building inside Scoop? 
Uh, when you say creative in that in that scenario, you know, t- t- taste buds development and enjoying the product is not so much. It's not to me. It's not that creative, lah. You mm. enjoy something, you you translate it into it, and then you just work around the parameters to see how it can be translated into an ice cream. So it's still fairly analytical. Oh, is right. More more in terms of translating the idea and having that problem solving process thought process in place. I think that's mm. a lot more important, and that's what we learn. During our years sitting behind a desk or or, or in our corporate jobs, ah. Mm, 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 mm. Right, right, right. So, so even though I used to work creative, but actually it can be an analytical process, lah. So I'm saying, that, right? Yeah. You have this starting point, like this fruit, and how do we make this into an ice cream? Yeah, it's it's, right. it's not so much creative or analytical. It's just like problem solving and a process management uh, situation in place, lah. Right. <laughs> that, that's quite interesting, actually. I always assume that it's like a... Because um, I interview a lot of creative people and okay. I find that they are... It's not that they don't have a process, but it's uh, typically... It, it is a little bit random, yeah. you know, like the creative process and and um, not not so, you know, not so uh, structured, la, if you like. Yeah. But, but it sounds like your, your way you approach it is like very problem-solving kind of structured approach. Yeah, most of the uh, time it's all about problem solving, right? especially when you're, you're here to run your own business. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, do you have a favorite flavor? Uh, do I have a favorite flavor? Uh, yes, I do. And it changes from time to time. Mm. Uh, my current favorite is the Lucky Pistachio, like the one that we did for, for, for Chinese New Year. Uh, oh. The Kayatos one is really good. The Kayatos is coming out. I think next couple of days, I think we're going to launch in the next couple of days. Or today, actually. Today today is the launch. The Kayatos. Oh, today? Okay. <laughs> the Kayatos ice cream is quite a good one. So we, we, we made a Kaya and then we, we managed to interpret it into an ice cream. I think that was pretty good. Right, 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 right. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll check out this uh, Lucky Pistachio thing because I do like pistachio-flavored ice cream. Uh, stopped, I think, because of Chinese New Year. It was Chinese New Year special. I'm not sure if it's still available. Oh, okay. Oh, so so it rotates out every two months, one, is it? Every every couple of months, we'll, 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 we'll do something new and something fresh. Uh. Okay. Oh, that, that's interesting. Um, So... So because you've come from a corporate background and I, I, it definitely sounds like you've applied whatever knowledge you've had before very well, right, into mm-hmm. starting a business. Uh, for someone else, because I know a lot of people who actually have jobs, like yourself, like, you know, like they've been working for a while and they're thinking, you know, one day I want to work for myself. I want to do my own thing, right? Yeah. It's very common, right? Like I hear this quite a lot. So what advice would you give to someone like this, especially if they want to go into FMB? <laughs> Uh, the most uh, I I think, uh, my 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 really good friend Remy from Burgerlet always says this: if you, if you if you like if you want to wish someone bad, ask them to go into FMB. <laughs> so, uh, the, thing, the bad thing about FMB is that it's, it's relatively rewarding at times, but it's also quite painful and quite stressful uh, relative to the amount of money you actually make. Uh, uh, but going into FMB is definitely a fun journey. But you really have to be passionate uh, about the sector. You really have to be passionate about the sector. And you must really be able to solve a problem as opposed to jumping on the bandwagon onto what's trendy and what's not. So, mm. yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Again, back to back to most why, why most businesses start, right? Are you mm. fundamentally solving a problem? Mm. Are you mm. fundamentally addressing a market or is there something that you well and truly could do better than others as opposed to, oh, they're doing this, looks good, I also want to do that. Mm. 
Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, which which I think happens quite often in F&B, right? People see someone else doing well and they think, oh, I want to do the same thing, right? Yeah, almost like a me too kind of situation. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. And, and, and I, as we're having this conversation, I, I mean, I can hear that you're, you're talking about solving a problem quite a lot, right? So I'm very curious uh, when you say solving a problem, especially when it comes to F&B. What does it mean to solve a problem? Uh, me, I don't quite, the, the problem is not obvious for me. La. Let's say we talk about ice cream. Oh, we need, we are solving a problem with ice cream. Oh, what's the problem in ice cream, you know? The problem that at that, at that juncture was uh, the, the pricing of the premium market guys was higher than in the market. Uh, mm. And then we didn't have flavors that are made locally. That means the, the flavors are a bit sweeter. It's made more for not, not so much our taste profile and preference. Uh, and also, it doesn't really utilize the ingredients that we have in Malaysia that can translate into an ice cream. Mm, 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 mm. Right, right, right. So, so there, there is this gap in the market, like, basically, for very localized flavors. And yes. also, the pricing was a little bit expensive, out of reach for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it was, it was a bit more expensive. I mean, the pricing was one of the factors. But it was largely around the flavor profile and the enjoyment. Right? There's so much ingredients here that we could translate into into uh, into a dessert category, into a dessert and ice cream. We have local milk, which is amazing. We have local produce that is amazing. How, how do we make all of that into ice cream? Mm, mm, mm. Okay. And I, I, I want to sort of shift the question to sort of like the employee side a little bit. Because as I understand, like F&B, a recruitment F&B is, uh, you know, it's not that easy necessarily. It's quite a straightforward, uh, not that straightforward, right? Quite challenging. So um, I think you mentioned in an interview before that investing in the right people, you know, um, is the right thing to do and it contributes to your success and all that, right? But so obviously people, you know, having good talent is important, like in F&B, but how, but in terms of like recruitment, right? What's hard about recruiting, right? For your industry, uh, when you talk about recruitment, uh, because we are a certain size now, so there's two types of people we recruit. One is the service staff, uh, which is which is uh, traditionally has been the more challenging uh, positions to fill, and then our HQ staff, uh, which is the more semi leadership to a certain extent. If you think about it, it's more of like leadership and managing and planning. Uh. So that that category of people, or that that this 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 two bunch of people, you, you actually split them because they actually have fairly different requirements and different skill sets. Uh, filling front of house and back of house in our in our scenario, which is the production stuff, is quite challenging. It's quite mm. challenging because if you balance out the salary versus the, the, the pay versus the hours, number of hours that they put in, they have to work weekends, they have to work at night, they work only late at night. Uh, it's and then it's also a physically demanding job. It's traditionally been a bit so you really have to reinterpret the model and say, okay, these are some of the challenges we face. How can we solve the problem of making sure that we pay above market so that this bunch of people that have worked, that has worked for us will have a shot in you know moving up the, 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 the social ladder even uh, rather than just being stuck as a service staff forever and ever. And that's by far the biggest challenge that we have faced as an F and B operator. Like how do you provide opportunity for people to move up, especially when your when your service staff attracts a certain level of customers or a certain level of uh, employees. Uh. So that's the mm. first challenge that we have to go and address. Mm. Mm. And, and, and have you figured that part out? 
uh, we haven't really figured it out. We're constantly still evolving. But, you know, balancing out how, how do we make working conditions good for them? How do we improve efficiency so that the productivity increases? I think it's one of the sectors that is quite overlooked in Malaysia. Like not enough people or not enough businesses, not enough brands uh, invest well and truly in the people to give them more mobility and responsibility because we're still very dependent on, a lot of brands are still very dependent on foreign labor, you know, cheap labor, uh, not, not just foreign labor, like cheap labor, and we're all addicted to cheap labor. So at the expense of efficiency, so how do we increase efficiency, uh, boost the efficiency so that instead of paying 2% to do the same job, I pay 1.5% to do the same job. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 staff, the staff salaries can actually move up. So that's what we're a bit more focused on. Right, right, right. So yeah, that makes sense, right? So 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 you so you do look at the uh, I suppose the the efficiencies like how you know how you produce your your ice cream and your products, etc. Mm. Um, okay, and and um yeah, and, and when you do look for when when you, when you actually do the hiring like, what particular traits do you look for? Uh, depends on the role that we are trying to fill. Uh, but at the Entry level slash lower mid level is largely a hit and miss when it comes to hire, as, as, as we all know, as employers and employees, even when you join a company as an employee, it's a hit or, hit or miss sometimes, right? Uh, but we generally look for coachability, like how open are people to feedback uh, and, to, and for personal growth. To me, working hard, uh, showing up at work on time, all those are a given. Uh, if you don't have it very quickly, unfortunately, you will have to go uh, in our organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, coachability is definitely something important. Uh, for service staff, it's also be very passionate about service in general. Uh. It's not mm-hmm. a situation where I can train that into you. If you're not a warm person, it's just a very, very challenging right. a very challenging position to be trained. Uh, if you're not a very warm person or you don't go the extra mile, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there, there are a lot of things that, yeah, like it's difficult to train, right? Like you said, like if they're not very people orientated, uh, it, it's quite challenging, right? Um, and do you do, uh, are you involved in most of the recruitment or, 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 or not? Or you have a team that does the recruiting for you? So, uh, our recruitment for our floor staff is largely done by our operations manager. So, uh, and our general manager, so they do more of the recruitment of the floor staff. So I'm not so involved in that because they are the one ultimately responsible for the performance of the store. I I do interview and train all HQ based staff. Hmm. And and um, uh, what one of the reasons why I asked this question as well, right, Edmund, because a lot of our listeners, you know, one of the things they consider apart from actually running an F&B business, you know, a lot of them are looking for jobs in F&B. So help, helping them understand uh, what the F&B founder is thinking is actually quite important, uh, mm. right? Like, you know, what, what do you think is missing and et cetera. So, so they can also evaluate whether they are the right personality to go into F&B. Um, and, and I have another thing. So apart from recruitment, just in terms of like growth internally in the company, I imagine people would have been promoted before uh, within the company, right? So um are there any particular traits that these people have that you consider them to be performing at a high level and therefore you know deserving of a promotion yeah so our preference is always to promote internally wherever possible mm. um 
it comes back down to coachability and ability to take responsibility because the, the biggest challenge that we have as a small to medium-sized enterprise is that we are still very founder, like me and Shuli, uh, driven and run. So while we have the breadth of experience, a depth of experience on certain things, we're not that good when it comes to marketing, when it comes to accounts, we're not good at every single thing that we do, right? Mm. And you don't have... Because by virtue of our initial setup, um, we don't have like super experienced people in place. So the experience comes, you know, a lot of guys are like junior slash mid-level when they join us. And then over time, they, they sort of rise up the ranks. Um, so which means that the structurally, structurally, the experience that they have is largely from in-house and self-taught and self-learned, which may or may not be competitive as the organization becomes a bit bigger. Mm. That means the structure may not be in place. It was up to them to come up with the structure. So being open to culture, like being open to like alternative viewpoints, not just from me, but from the outside and being self-learning and self-thought will actually help them evolve into the job a bit better. Mm. Right. Mm. Uh, and that is what I call, that is what I call right for promotion. Because um, if, if it's largely me driven, as in like me, as in uh, Edmund and Shuli driven, then it, it, it sort of becomes like a solution thought of by Edmund and Shudi as opposed to the, the employees coming up coming up with the, the solution, which, right. which, which sort of narrows the, the viewpoint a bit more. The more important thing is that when we look to hire and we look to promote and we look for senior management is to provide me and Shudi an alternative viewpoint uh, that they can go away and execute really well. They, so when we, talk, when we talk about marketing, right, the last thing we want is that Edmund and Shuri to be the best in marketing, to be the best in flavor, to be the best in accounting, to be the best in store opening, to be the best in people training, to be the best in operations, right? That cannot be because there's only one Edmund, there's only one Shuri. Yeah. So when we look to promote internally, it's like, can this person, uh, when we talk about marketing, this person in marketing knows more than Edmund and Shuli about marketing. Yes, they are the boss, but they know more about it than marketing. They have the depth that exceeds even the founder, which should be the case because in theory, if you think about it, the founder is not Superman, right? Like mm. we have one of the things that we do really well, but we cannot be like amazing in everything that we, we have responsibility over. You know what I mean? Mm, mm, mm. I know exactly what you mean, actually. So like, this is like... Um something like we experience also as well. So we started as a small company and we are growing bigger, right? So, so, so it's like you obviously, when you are small, you don't hire like a super senior person in each department. It's like a junior mid person, as you say. So they sort of self-taught, right? Uh, along yeah. the way. And, and, then, and then they have to keep on sort of raising their standard to the next level as the company evolves. Yeah. Uh, because even though they are not the expert, they are supposed to kind of be the expert. What else? you will end up being the bottleneck, right? Everything will still wait for you and everything. So, yes. uh, yeah, it seems to be quite a, uh, not just for F&B, I suppose, for any growing company that's growing very fast, there's that's this right. issue, la, right? right? And then at some yeah, point in time, do you bite the bullet and say, okay, I'm going to put someone above above uh, a person that has been with me since day one because they are, they are they're struggling to grow? Or mm. like, do I give them a chance to 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 step into that position? And more often than not, as founders, and I'm sure you'll be the same, you would prefer to promote internally, right? Like your preference mm. is always to give your existing guys that, but but they may or may not be able to step up and they will need senior guidance. Then okay, how do you balance out that 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 dynamic there? Mm-hmm. I know exactly. I mean it's, it is a challenge. Yeah. Um I mean on, on this topic itself, I've actually hired a senior person and put it above 
the team before. It also didn't work, really work out well. So I don't know whether it's like just by luck I hired someone that wasn't a good fit, you know, or, or, or this doesn't quite work. Lah. But I know exactly what you mean lah, in when, as you're scaling up. So, so in terms of like what's the future for Insights Group? Because, you know, I think at this point of the interview, as we're talking, right, it's now March. And, um, you know, the country's sort of opening up, the economy's recovering, uh, you know, people are starting to get vaccinated. What was your view? Are you going to go back into expansion mode or or are you just still just trying to stabilize the ship? But what's what's next for Insights Group this year? I think we will still continue to, I think the word that we like to use is to grow opportunistically. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, as a brand, it, it may look like we are growing quite aggressively, but most of our job is most, most of our growth so far is opportunistic, and we are very focused on same store sales growth and also uh, EBITDA, like uh, like 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 cash flow positive on a per store basis for every store that we open. The mm-hmm. reason for that is because our my success or our company success metrics is that if we are here in the next twenty years, then I think we've done our job. Uh, mm. The last thing that we want is to be a flash in the pan. We are here for a short time and then we go through a cycle and then we are, we are over. Um, so if if we back solve, if we back solve that, it also mm. means that we are not so focused on short-term, short-term businesses, like you know, short-term money that 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 can that can work for some businesses, but and it's tempting at times, but it is it is not really our success metric. So to answer your question directly, uh, we will continue to grow opportunistically, uh, like how we have done in the past, uh, focusing on the, the metrics that, that is important to us, like, i.e. you know, EBITDA positive on a per store basis and then same store sales growth. Right, right. So so you can basically grow in the most sustainable way, like, right? Rather than just like growing too fast and then burning a lot of money. That's the right. way that I, that's the way that we, we look at the business. Like. Right, 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 right. And and it also sounds like, you know, customer loyalty is a very important thing because, you know, you want to grow like like sales per store, right? So so making sure your customers are happy and keep coming back is yes. like super important. Yeah. Um and it, yeah, so is yeah, so is there anything new that people can expect from Inside Scoop this year that maybe you want to talk about, people can look forward to? Anything new? Mm. Uh I mean, we, we, we sell ice cream at the end of the day. Ice cream is ice cream. Is ice cream. <laughs> uh, but, but, but in terms of product parallels, uh, we, 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 we launched cakes a couple of years back. That's becoming more and more important for us. Uh, mm. we're also trying to do more interesting flavors uh, that people enjoy. So it's largely still around ice cream. But nothing nothing uh, revolutionary. It's largely just evolutionary, making mm. sure that the product continues to, to, to stay uh, to, to, to stay relevant and to to, 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 to maintain a very high standard. Hopefully, mm. I, I, mean, I mean, you mentioned that you come to our store frequently. Hopefully, that, uh, that, that feeling that you get when you walk in the store continues to stay and I think that's the most important bit. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Um, so, I'm going to move on to like quick fire questions now. Okay. Uh, so, it starts off easy. It gets slightly harder as we go, but okay. not too hard. Lah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, first question is, any interesting places in Malaysia that you think people should visit or any cool hangout spots other than inside school? Like, I'm not going to say inside school, other than that. <laughs> cool places. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, anything. Like, yeah. A cool place to visit. Everyone should go visit. Everyone should go visit. Uh. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, a spot that I really liked recently that you went to was uh, 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 not recently, about, about 
year ago, just after the first round of MCO, is this resort called Tana Laurina in Bulanga. That's quite a nice one. It's a bungalow next to a river. And it's a oh. bit expensive, but if you get like 12 people, it's about 150 per person per night. That's quite a nice place. Oh, okay. What was that again? Tana Laurina. Tana Laurina. Okay. Okay. In Hululanga, you said. Yeah, Hululanga. It's quite nice. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Check it out. It's more for me, my own holiday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what app do you use on your phone every day, like an everyday app that you believe is not commonly used, like your friends don't use it? You see. Oh, this one very yeah. easy. Uh, it's this soft training software called Trainer Road for, for, for cycling and exercise. Trainer Road? Uh? Oh, okay. Like, what is it again? For cycling exercise. Yeah, so basically my, my, my bike is hooked up to an app and then I, I cycle on the I cycle indoors sometimes. So I just have mm. a program that I follow uh on uh, on, on that app. Right, 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 right. How how is this like uh because there are lots of kinds of like training apps, right? Like why 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 do you use this one? Uh, this one just has a has a program uh, on what you like what your goals are. You just choose the program and then you, you train according to a certain like there are certain deliverables on each training session. So you just have to follow the training session for the day. Like today could be an interval day, tomorrow could be a, could be a, you know, what, what we call a zone three training day or like high, high, high tempo day or an interval training day. So yeah, I, I use right. that for a bit. Okay. Uh, um, what object have you purchased in the last 12 months that cost less than a thousand ringgit that you believe have tremendous positive impact on your life? Uh, not much actually. I hardly spend money on believe it or not. Oh, good on you. <laughs> uh, tremendous impact. The only thing that I can think of is the AirPods Pro is pretty good. I, I really like that. Uh, yeah. That that was definitely something that I used a lot of this year. I think it's more than paid its worth back. But yeah, other than that, I, I hardly spend any money. Oh, interesting. Uh. I, I, I'm, I'm using that now. So I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But in recent times, it has a bit of issue. I don't know why it sounds very faded. Only in recent times, in the last couple of weeks, it sounds very faded. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that one was quite good. Other than that, no, I, I hardly spend any money actually. I still use the same. I the, the bag that I'm using now is from my wife's university day. So it's like a 20-year-old bag. I wear slippers and shorts to work. I, yeah. That's 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 the right way, I think. Like we are minimalist. <laughs> yeah, so, so this year I've been trying uh before I buy, if before I buy one thing, I have to throw two things away. Mm-hmm. Not this year, like last year, I've been I've been doing that. Mm. Is there a non-fiction book that you've read that you believe everyone should read? Oh, non-fiction. Uh, Factfulness is pretty good. I just read it uh, end of last year. That's quite a good one. Mm. Uh, I read quite a lot, but non-fiction. I think everybody, especially, especially, especially. I'm not sure the age of the, the listeners here. It sounds like fairly young. I would start off simple, uh, seven habits. I know it sounds very cliche. Everybody has seen it before, but everybody should actually read it. Uh, it's quite a good quite a good way to start off. Uh, that is pretty good. I still read it once in a while, just okay. to flip through. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there are quite a lot of interesting, not interesting, like fairly basic concepts that a lot of people should have, like not basically just time management skills. The way that you think about stuff, the way that you think as an executive, uh, mm. it's quite easy. Like if you want an even more simplified version of Seven Habits, I think you can try the Effective Manager, uh, Peter mm. Tucker. That's also quite. That's that's the that's like hundred and fifty pages. Nobody has an excuse that they have no time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that one is that one is quite 
that one is quite a good one to 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 do. Oh, okay. Uh, what's a skill that you have which other people might find surprising, uh, but it's been very useful uh, to you in your career? Skill. Uh, I can drink uh, a lot of alcohol. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, is actually a very useful skill, actually. <laughs> I, a skill. Nothing much. I think I'm fairly analytical. Fairly analytical. Hmm. People may or may not know that very well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's a scene from a movie or TV show that is very memorable to you and impactful to you and why? Oh, Shawshank Redemption, when the guy climbs through uh, three football fields of uh, shit. <laughs> so it's like, uh, what, it represents the human spirit, is it? <laughs> yeah, man. when you put your mind into it, anything, anything is possible. <laughs> right, awesome. Uh, what's the best piece of career advice you've received from a mentor or someone you respect? Details, details, details. Oh, okay. It's okay. all details. All the details, huh? Yeah, I, I can see this working very well with your analytical personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, uh, who is your role model, uh, not someone from your family? And what behaviors did they have that you see in yourself? And what do you wish you had from them? Role model, that's a tough one, man. Mm. That's a tough one. Non-family. No one in particular that I can think of. I mean, I draw a lot of inspiration from books that I read, mm. uh, from character and books, philosophy. Like, no mm. one defining person. No one person, right, 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 right. No one defining person that I can think of. Right, right. Like, maybe throw out some memorable authors or something. Maybe we can... Uh, if you talk about good that, the, the, the one book that I read almost every year, I, I will spend some time flipping through it every year. Uh, is uh, Animal Farm George Orwell to remind oh. me of what was not through that at least once a year, just right. to remind you, just to remind myself that I don't want to be like the pigs. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm, if you I'm, know. I've never read that book before, actually. But yeah, yeah, probably yeah. actually Animal Farm. Eh? Animal Farm. It's it's not a difficult book to read. It mm. talks about basically the animals overthrew the farmer, the evil capitalist farmer, or the evil farmer and then how the pigs became the new farmer over a course of time. So I, I, I constantly remind oh, wow. that, that I want to be that person, you know. I want to right. work for the little guy and I always want to be the little guy. I always want to be David rather than Goliath. Mm, mm, mm. Well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, if you could make a video go viral on the internet, right? And this video carried a message that's important to you, what message would that be? And always see things from the other person's perspective. I think I'm trying that as much as I can. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very easy to sit down there and judge, especially in today's day and age where everyone is just flying off really quickly. And I, I make that mistake too sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Always slow down and think of what the other person is thinking of when he come up with it. Like, especially given, given where things are at in Malaysia's uh, situation and also politics, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know 100% what you mean. Like, not, not just in Malaysia, I think globally also. You know, right now, it's a big, more, people are getting more polarized. No one's really listening to each other anymore. It's getting worse, right? So, right. So, so having a very sort of, um, are you saying like an empathetic ear? Is that what you're saying? Like, you sort of like try to listen, 
and genuinely listen so. to another point of view. I think so. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's the last question. So, what does the word success mean to you? Uh, for inside school specifically, uh, if we stand the test of time, that means mm. we, 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 we are still around 20 years from now, uh, when my kids, when, when my kids' friends talk about ice cream, they still think about inside school as being the, the, the place to be when they want to think about ice cream. I think that would, that, that is definitely my, our metric of success. Mm. Oh, wow. That, that's, uh, that's a very good one. I think. Actually, it's the first time I he I'm hearing someone talking about like, we want to be here very long as a metric of success. So, but that's really good. Yeah. Uh, we'll be here very long and be relevant. And be relevant for very long. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So thanks, uh, Edmund, for the, your time. Uh, it was a good chat. Like I said, before we sort of started the interview, like I love what you guys did inside school. My wife loves it. You know, definitely we'll go visit and check out the place again. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm glad that I'm glad you guys uh, started this thing and it exists. Like. So, you know, wishing you like lots of success, man. And hopefully 20 years from now, I can bring my grandchildren there or something. Grandchildren, 10 years. You have to do something years old. 20 years from now, I'll be like, I'll be old man, man, 20 years from now. So, uh, so anyway, so yeah, awesome, awesome. Thanks again. Huh? Thanks for that. Thank you for listening to the Hello Mentor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're trying to have a great career or if you want to succeed in business, um, you will benefit from really, really getting to learn from some of the most inspiring people in Malaysia. And hopefully, you can replicate some of that success yourself. Uh, we have many, many more amazing people joining us soon and we expect to release an episode once every two weeks. So again, do hit that subscribe button to our podcast and you will be notified when the next episode is up. Also, this podcast is supported by WAP the leading professional youth jobs platform in Malaysia. So if you're looking to hire great talent or if you're looking for a new job, do also check us out at wobjobs.com. That's w-o-b-b-jobs.com. Thank you again and I look forward to share the next episode with you.